0: Hey everyone. Um are some really bad words in English that we're gonna say. We also might say some in Hebrew, like <laughs> whatever even that even I know what that
1: means. That's
0: Hebrew. Whatever that was. Anyway, if you don't want the English versions of that uh to be heard by your children, send them out of the room and then we'll go on with the show. That
1: was that's my karaoke year. song. Oh, that's the so moment good.
2: it came out, I was like, that's my song. It's an amazing. My best
1: friend Leslie
2: said, Oh, she's, she's just being baby. Miley. Next time we hang yeah, out, I, I will so redeem mics myself. Mics, mics, My heart can't wait till then. And the award for best
0: podcast goes to Radiolab, hosted by Robert Krulwich and Jad Rat. Abumrat- oh wait, wrong envelope. Sorry, best podcast is Unorthodox. Yay. Won, guys.
2: We won. I'm sure this joke will age really well by the time our uh, listeners hear I'm this. I'm Mark
0: Oppenheimer, joined as ever by Tablet Deputy Editor Stephanie Butnik.
1: Finally. We're
0: back to the right order. And Tablet Senior Writer Leah Leibowitz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our guests this week are a Jew and a Gentile, Leah Green and Fred McConnell. They are the hosts of Token, a podcast from The Guardian newspaper in
2: England. A podcast so frank that they make even us blush. They're so black and trans. like They really have everything. They, they have check a- everybody.
1: Most importantly, they're British. And, and they're, and, and and they're like, British. That's all we need. Because
2: today we will sound very stupid. That <laughs> because they will be the intelligent ones, yeah, no, no matter right. what they say.
1: Like they don't realize that they're token to us because they're British. Because I'm doing not my, anything else. I
2: am doing my accent the entire episode. i am be like, so uh, British. Uh, apologize for the mandate before we begin, and then we could continue. Any, any news from the home front?
0: I, I have a couple. Amazing stories, but do, do any of you have it? Do, do you want to try to compete with them first? I don't think we no. can. We don't have the manpower, Mark. Even if we did. Okay, the first thing I want to say is former unorthodox guest and and longtime booster Julia Frakes visited and stayed at Oppenshire Manor last night. Uh, so she put a, her in
1: the basement with the cat.
0: Of course, yeah. But the base—I mean, the basement's. You know that's that's the guest suite. No,
1: I'm just marveling that you have a basement. I'm not saying have it in a derogatory a, have way. A
0: and she had never Stephanie seen Cra- has never seen one. She's <laughs> imagined heard it, of them. stories. And we she had never seen Crazy Ex Girlfriend. And Sid and I are up to like season two, episode twelve. So we made her watch Crazy Ex Girlfriend with us. So we watched Crazy like Ex Girlfriend. Full
1: Oppenheimer experience with,
0: with um, fashion writer and freelance intellectual Julia Frakes. Also earlier this week, I just. Uh, minor story that gives you a window into the world in which I live. Ellie was playing, had a friend over and was playing and they wouldn't, that's our eight-year-old, and they wouldn't let Anna, the three-year-old, play with them. So Clara, the six-year-old in in the middle age-wise, wanted to broker a truce. So she went up to the room, she heard the screaming and she said to Ellie and her friend, if you play with Anna, I'll pay you. We weren't there for this. This is as it played out later. And so they said, okay, fine. And so... And Clara came downstairs and said, I, well, I solved it, Mommy. I paid them. And, you know, Sid was like – she was cooking and she was busy and she was like, OK, whatever. She figured Clara had given them a quarter or something. And it's not great to pay kids to let their sisters play with them, but How whatever. How much was it? So then, you know, um, Hannah goes home. Her mother picks her up. Then 20 minutes later, the doorbell rings and Hannah's mother is there. Sid opens the door. Hannah's mother's there and she's holding like as if – In her fingers as if, like, it's gross. She's holding it away from her, dangling from her fingers, a $50 bill. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) And it turned out that Clara had taken $50, which her grandparents, Sid's parents had given her for her birthday or something in a 50, and given it to Hannah to get her to play with Anna. She'd paid Ellie... $20. $20. So Clara, who's worth $73, had paid her whole life.
2: That's so had paid sweet. Of,
0: now, as Sid points out, Clara got nothing out of this. This was literally to buy peace between her older sister and her younger sister. She'd spent every dime that she had. So she then got a lecture on the value of money, which is that's actually more than you should pay. It's one thing to buy off your sister to play with the little sister, but th- the rate for that should be like a dollar tops. So- that's how that's how you learn the value of money in the Oppenheimer household. So yes, okay, so that, she's like that is like, exactly how you learn it.
1: <laughs> so Clara is like the Jared Kushner of your family.
0: You mean in that she's the peacemaker? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um you know, before we go into the news of the Jews, which is very intense this week. I do want to welcome some new subscribers to our newsletter, um, and some other listeners. We want to say hi to uh, this week. The law firm—it's a very prestigious one this week. It's a very white shoe. Uh, the law firm of Lisa Kanef, Vered Idan, Michal Waller, Alhana Arenzi, Joshua Silberberg, Rachel Daneman, Sarah Cohen, Robin Bogert, Kevin Akiva Landsman, Chaim Guski, Aaron Hendershef, Don Katz, Ira Salwin, and Robert Freudenthal. Now, Kevin Akiva Landsman is an important gentlemen. Do, do you guys know about Kevin Akiva Landsman? Because I do. Oh, we know about him. But go ahead. Well, Kevin Akiva Landsman was actually born Kevin Sullivan, and he was the one Gentile guy in the Sunni Binghamton chapter of A.E. Pi. But he was such a bro. It's like he was so from their hometown that they gave him the nickname Lansman, which of course means like a guy from, from my hometown. And then they gave him the, the A.E. Pi bro name, Akiva. So he was known there as Akiva Lansman. He eventually changed his name legally from Kevin Sullivan to Kevin Akiva Lonsman, um, and professionally he's Kevin Lonsman. But um, he goes by all three names so as not to be confused with the orthodontist Akiva Lonsman from Mercer Island, Washington. But he's he's not yet converted. He's just really down with his Jewish frat bros.
1: I can't. I cannot do that. I, I that literally is who he is. can't even.
2: I think Mark wins this week.
1: Thank you. And I think he, he like, he could. I was due. Yeah. Yeah. It was time. And you really, <laughs> like, you put, you put in the legwork. You get this one. I
0: really thought about it. I really thought about it. Um, news of the Jews this week, all bad, basically. Yep. Uh, this week, in a break with 5,000 years of history, Jewish news, all bad. So I'm just going to run down. We have one We have one not bad. Actually, even even the topic at the end that's funny is bad. But I'm just going to run down the really bad really, really bad stuff and then we should put like the Benny Hill theme song <laughs> in like let's see two Jewish brothers were abducted in Paris. one of them had his finger sawed off by their attackers. number two uh, there was the vandalized cemetery in St. Louis. Uh, number three there was the vandalized cemetery in Philadelphia. Number four, Nancy Salem, a preschool teacher at the Children's Courtyard in Arlington, Texas, was fired after uh, her social media posts were discovered. I'm just going to read this tweet. Have a safe trip, Lulu. I love you, baby girl. See you in three weeks. Kiss the Palestine ground for me and kill some Jews. Little emoticon hashtag, miss you already.
2: I gotta tell you, that's that's kind of a nice, you know, colloquialism. Hey, love you. Have a safe trip. Kill some Jews. Kill
1: <laughs> <X-O-X-O. laughs> Take a selfie while you do it. it picks or didn't happen, etc. Yeah. yeah.
0: So look, we haven't really talked about just the craziness of the past week, 10 days. One, one big question.
2: How alarmed should we be and what should we be doing? You know, I just wish there was some way that Jews could defend themselves. If only someone, if only someone invented like I'm thinking, like a small like L-shaped tubular. Thing. <laughs> Bear with me. This is a crazy concept. You know, there'll be like a little something that you pull, and then it would like let out projectiles that would stop whoever is like coming confetti? to hurt you. You know, it's uh, I'm still working on it. Water, it's, it's still work in progress. But if only there was something we could all carry, that so, would uh, so what us.
1: you would shoot someone who's. Desecra- desecrating a cemetery?
2: I would be known as the guy who has the gun in the cemetery, slash the JCC, slash the bakery, slash wherever. And therefore, if you want to desecrate it, think twice. Three I feel like times, you're spreading yourself a times, little thin 10 there. times. <laughs> How <laughs> really? are you going to be everywhere? No, we, we all are. We're all going to carry heat. Every Jewish man, woman, and this is important, child <laughs> should be armed.
1: <laughs> okay, before we get to that place... Why is it so hard to find out who's doing this? I agree.
2: How has the FBI not cracked this?
1: I also, you know, every article is sort of like, well, they, you know, they, they, they like do that thing on their phone where you can't get their number, you can't track them, you can't hear their voice. And it's like, are we literally? Because the
2: FBI is currently busy trying to, you know, convince the intelligence community or whatever Spicy wants them to do that the Russia thing never happened. No, but
1: like, I just think it's insane that we are still like... Prank phone calls are still something we have not solved. Because look, nothing – I mean obviously I do not want anything to happen. I think that would be so, so, so awful. But this just seems at this point just sort of like these really deranged – prank, like this like next level that's pranking right. and, that's and, and happening. We're res- and, it, and we're
0: responding to it. Yeah. I mean I kind of agree too, which is for one thing – they want the response. They're getting the response. These are cowards. These are these are actually not the people who are ever going to come at us to cut our fingers off or shoot us. These are these are the cowards who figure, oh, it's easy enough to misdirect a phone call and not get caught, and I'll call it in. And then Jews everywhere responding and panicking. And um, a, I wish that there was a way to not give them that satisfaction.
1: But, but how can you do that? I mean, but B, yeah. and
0: this is my major point, the thing we should not do is start like hiring lots and lots of extra guards and like extra double locking and building those like anti-chambers where you have to walk into a room and it get, the door gets locked behind you while you get the body scan, while you show your ID, Like, because once we do that, it will never go back. Nobody ever says once this wave has passed two, three years from now and we're back to normal, low-level, unbothersome That's anti-Semitism, right. nobody ever says, okay, fire the guards. We essentially would be in a permanent state of being
2: Jews in France or Argentina. Let me and I don't want
0: to live like that. And, me, and I'm willing really to take the, the
2: risk. Let me say the same thing in a, in a slightly, uh, you know, revamped way. There's no need for a semi-automatic. A 9mm will do perfectly well. <laughs>
1: but, you know, you're talking about, like, cowardice. Also, like, knocking over a tombstone is pretty low on the list of, like, badass things to do. That's basically like you're going yeah. to an – it's just it's – just, it's silly. Almost, I mean, it's, it's almost like
2: anti anti-semis are fucking vile cowards I mean, with no moral funny,
1: compass. I like, mean, wow. Last week we were like, Oh, you're you're targeting the JCCs. great, no one's Jewish there. Now you're targeting the cemeteries.
0: Where literally no one is.
1: Yeah. It's like, like what is it's just You're targeting our to, dead people? But I, I mean, I don't know. I think it's it's look, I'm I'm officially giving into like, okay, this is this is messed up. Like I'm I'm on board that train. like things are scary.
2: I have a great idea how to how to solve this. So it's now been 40 days. Is it days. An Uzi? No. Uh, it's a guy named Uzi. He's like, hey, I will solve this for you, no problem. <laughs>
0: well, uh, and, and he would have, right? If the if, if the Shin Bet were on this, they'd know you, the prank you know, phone call. Like, within like two seconds. I like
1: the, are there prank phone calls in Israel? Like, do people get this far in Israel? Or they're like, we know who it is.
2: With prank phone
0: calls?
1: <laughs> no, like with like The contracts. second you
2: think it, the Israeli
0: yeah. Secret
1: Service
2: knows it. Well, yeah, yeah, people do, and 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 yes, the Secret Service does. They send a secret dolphin <laughs> to, to swim up to you and kill your thing. So that it, the it, we're now in, we're now in day forty as we record, and day forty of the Trump presidency, and and the president has so yet to knew. say anything, right, anything substantial about anti-Semitism. On the other hand, every time SNL does a skit, like the president is right on that shit. Here is a crazy thought: What if UJA Federation offered fifty thousand dollars? To the first SNL cast members who would say, I hate the Jews, which you know will get Donald tweeting within like two <laughs> seconds, very bad anti-Semitic SNL. Let's just do that. I like it. Let's I like take it. like Buck Bennett or one of those like featured players and nobody knows <laughs> their names, you know, be like, hey, yo, just say, say Heil Hitler. Save and, some Jewish lives. We'll
0: be done. <laughs> All right. So we don't want to leave you with, with the worst, saddest week of News of the Jews Me since not. 1945. So we got to we gotta bring in something a little bit lighthearted. Uh, this from the Jewish Telegraphic Agency. They wrote this week about a new app called Jumi. The article begins, finding a Jewish roommate at college can be a challenge given that Jews make up only 2% of the American population. A new free app hopes to make the matching process easier. Jumi, yep, launched over the weekend, asked incoming first-year students about their Jewish identity and personal habits and yada yada. Basically, uh, it's so that – Jewish freshmen can ensure
1: that they'll never have to interact with a non-Jew once they go to that big scary college. <laughs> I have to say, Jumi is when we need to retire the portmanteau. Like exactly I love a good right. pun.
0: Yeah, it done. also sounds
1: like Sumi, yeah. but Jumi. Like that's or not... Jumi like, down. Like, yeah. um, yeah.
0: yeah. god. <laughs> listeners, you want know to be amazing? Is you should all go sign up for Jumi. Right, just flood them with new with new users because um, because we can. Because that's that would be bringing is light into the world. Is there an option
2: to choose a non-Jewish roommate on Jumi? <laughs> and could like go in go on Jumi and be like I really want a Jewish roommate because they're clean they'll they'll help with my homework that's perfect that's right oh it'll be like it'll be like j where it gets infiltrated by non-Jews by the way those of you who are calling in bomb threats at the (laughs) JCC there's an amazing (laughs) new app the Jews will come to you man Some of
0: you may remember that old, old, old bit of ancient history, the press conference from a couple weeks ago when an Orthodox Jewish reporter stood up and very nicely tried to get some commentary on anti-Semitism from President Donald Trump and was then told. uh, Nobody
2: likes Jews more than me. Now sit down, you (laughs) stupid Jew. So
0: we have that reporter on the line, uh, Jake Turks, the man who famously inscribes his Twitter handle on his yarmulke. Uh, Thanks for joining us, man.
3: Or rather, formerly the guy who had his Twitter handle on his yarmulke. I, fi- I I figure by now, if you're not following me yet, I don't need you as a follower.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Jake, um, you know you're up there. You're in the press conference. You've been credentialed from um, from Ami Magazine, um, which what your your mom owns or something. Like, what's the story there? Uh,
3: you know, mom, mom-in-law. We you know we're all family. Right.
0: Are you are you give us your your like. Your yeches here, like, are you Hasidisha? Are you, are you Satmar? Are you what? Are, are you Yeshivish? Like, what's your,
2: what's your background?
3: Who's paying me this week?
2: <laughs> you tell. Well, now we know that you're a Jew. All... Mark, Mark is very confused by the orthodoxy.
3: You know, I'm no, not. I'm just asking him to of... tell
2: us. I parse parse what your which little community,
0: you, which micro community do you, do you rep?
3: Look, it makes a lot of sense for an unorthodox to be very confused about an orthodox. I, I, I mean. Right? Isn't that what? So unconfuse me, man. Like, what? <laughs> You're being very coy.
2: Or confuse him further.
3: Yeah. No. Look, I'm I'm very ethnic. I'm very uh, proud of uh, the tradition of the heritage, which uh, goes way back. About uh, I think 150 years uh, is is how far the dress code goes back. And on top of all that, this uh, tradition has been embraced by a religion that's 4,000 years old. So, uh, there you go.
2: Thinking of, of things that are that are old and and uh, f- dressed funny. How do you feel about President Trump now? About how he dresses? No, just, just <laughs> you know, you you were there. You're being all nice to him. You're calling him a Zadie, and uh, he kind of, you know, kind of disrespected you there, son. How do you feel about that? Now? I
3: don't know. I, well, most zadies sound like that. I think
2: <laughs> it's the abusive Zadie theory See, well, of let, history.
0: Let's go back a second. Did you vote for him?
3: Maybe. Who wants to know? We, th- Can we, we do. Go back to this about podcast Tom? here Can we wants to, to know. Th- Shall we go back to talking about
0: Ami? No, we, we will. We promise. But first of all, okay. So you know, you talked, oh, my community loves you. My community loves you. Maybe do you love him a little bit less right now? I mean, are you starting to see why some of us in the Jewish community didn't love him as much?
3: No, look, look, look. I'm a reporter. My job is not to love him. My job is not to uh, draw any kind of emotional connection to somebody not, not positive, not negative. The point that I was trying to make is, and, and, you know, I've had Jewish guys who are like, hey, what are you talking about? I'm Jewish, and I hate the guy's guts. Look, fact of the matter is, I'm talking about people who have worked with him. I haven't I haven't met a Jew, and I, I doubt you have, who's worked with him for like 20, 30, 40, 50 years and said, the guy's an anti-Semite. I haven't seen that yet. People who have worked with him have said he's, he's the most magnanimous, most gracious when it comes to Jewish holidays, when it comes to trying to understand Jewish people. So this is something that that, that, he, that he's always had, a very close connection with the Jewish people. It's not something you could ever take away from them.
1: But you came in and sort my of people. said, my community has never said this about you. Like, you came in really representing, I think, one viewpoint of Orthodox Judaism. Do you feel like he, like, in getting shot down, was that, did you find that just disrespectful?
3: Well, let me ask you this. Do you, do you feel I represent you or that I representing you?
1: I don't think that you were trying to represent me. I think you were saying that you cover a specific community as a reporter, you know, which right, we, you know, everyone sort of does. Um, and I think what I what I thought why I thought it was such a promising question is because you sort of said like I I'm I come in peace, right? Like I'm not we're, we this community actually doesn't think this about you, but like just please answer this one somewhat unrelated question, and then to sort of hear right. I'm the least anti Semitic person you've ever met. I was just sort of like you. He totally missed the point.
3: I know that brevity is very important with any politician, uh, perhaps more so with Trump. I've always kept my questions very, very short. And so that's why you've never heard of me before. Um, I felt that with anti-Semitism, a preamble was warranted. I obviously was guilty of over-preparing. But in the phraseology of the question and giving the sensitivity of, of everything and, and, and taking everything into account, I felt that I had to preface it the way I preface it which was to explain that nobody was attacking him personally. Look, he, he's been asked about anti-Semitism before. His two fallback answers had always been, A, I'm the least anti-Semitic person you've ever met. B, I have Jewish grandchildren. So C, I won 306 to... electoral votes in <laughs> November.
0: All right, listen, Jake, we don't want to detain you any longer. Uh, so final question, tell our secular listeners why should they be reading Ami magazine?
3: Uh, why? I don't know. <laughs> look, uh, Ami Magazine is a uh, is the largest Orthodox Jewish weekly magazine in the United States, and it is it is something that if you're into weekly Jewish magazines, uh, then uh, go for it. I mean, look, you know, we have Shabbos, we have the, uh, the Sabbath, and uh, print media is always going to be very strong in the Orthodox Jewish community. Uh, if you are not a member of the Orthodox Jewish community, I, I don't know what it is that that you personally like, uh, or subscribe to, but there are many things about AMI. That's really, really awesome.
0: And will you be keeping up your, will you be going to all the Trump pressers? Like, are you, are you on the regular list now for, for press conferences?
3: Well, I I have been since the beginning of the Trump presidency, and I haven't been revoked yet that I'm going to be at the, uh, going to be tonight at the uh, joint uh, sessions, uh, state of the union thingy. So, So, uh, yeah.
0: What's on your yarmulke? what's braided, woven into your yarmulke now, stitched into your yarmulke now?
3: Right now, I have a plain black yarmulke. The uh, at Jake Turk's Twitter handle, yarmulke, has been permanently retired. It served its purpose and it overserved this its purpose. Is it in um, the Library actually, of Congress? It is not yet. <laughs> Smithsonian's calling me right now. The, the other line.
2: Well, tonight, tonight's <laughs> a black yarmulke type of event.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll take it out on one more time. Next time we're on the show, I'll put it on and uh, you're... Your listeners will just have to uh, trust me on it. That would be
2: amazing.
0: What you should do is tweet out a picture of, of your yarmulke uh, to, to us, and we'll send it on to the world. It'll be the last they ever see of it. Okay. All right. Thanks, Jake. Talk to you later.
3: Let's do, hey, that wasn't bad, right? Let's do it again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All
0: right, some upcoming live events, I'm going to say. First of all, um, I'm going to be in Tel Aviv the night of March 17th, and I'm doing a little meetup at a little bar, and if you want information on that, just email me directly at moppenheimer at tabletmag.com, and I will, um, I'll let you know where you can come um, come hang, because I'd love to meet some of our listeners. Also, uh, we've talked about it before, but it's uh, it's worth talking about again, Golem, the band that does our music, our intro and outro music, is having their big fake Jewish wedding event at Dram. Uh, It's March 23rd. You can find out more at DROMNYC.com. That's D-R-O-M-N-Y-C.com. This summer, I am uh, running a conference that I've run the past couple years at Yale called Thread, which is a narrative storytelling conference. We have um, Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment, Catherine Burns from The Moth, uh, Sarah Stillman from The New Yorker, a whole bunch of amazing people, Uh, Stephanie Fu, producer for This American Life. If you're interested in coming and studying with that faculty for three days um, and eating some good New Haven pizza, you can find out more at thread.yale.edu edu if you're interested in advertising on unorthodox please send me a note again it's moppenheimer at tabletmag.com and stephanie
1: oh i got a good one tablet sister side juicy is hosting a purim pun Apalooza. it's a fun free event with extra special judges prizes candy for all even adults more did i already say surprises they're gonna be surprises surprises um the show goes (laughs) down monday march 13th the day after purim at halyard's bar in brooklyn um doors open at 7 p.m and if you want to be – if you want to go or if you want to be part of the pun um check it out at Facebook.com slash Juicy Magazine. I'll be there. And Juicy is spelled – J-E-W-C-Y. Should
0: we go to the mailbox? Um, got some cool mail this week. Uh, first of all, Nachum, who didn't give us his last name, complained, um, don't you know that shaving with a razor is trafe? Can't you find a different sponsor rather than peddling pork on your show? Just saying. Love, Nachum. First of all, thank you for the love. We appreciate a good a good love,
2: comma. Um. Yeah, a lot of us shave, Nachum, and and we consider it a much like higher Jewish value uh, to always take money Wait, when offered to Can you explain to you, it to me? That's right. Other than you know rejecting sponsors because this, this, this I hadn't of. It's in heard Torah. Of, you don't know Jews
1: weren't can't supposed to shave? Shave ever? I thought there was like certain times, no, certain. No, no, no. Areas. You're not allowed to let a razor
0: touch wonder, your. Wonder cheeks. why they have beards? A- but Whoa, they can use. Oh, there's mind a whole. Blown. But there's a whole I history see. here, which is you can use depilatories. And you can now use electric razors because they actually pull the they, they don't, don't touch, they don't touch the cheek. So when you wonder why do the yeshivish guys from Lakewood have are they clean they have sideburns but are clean shaven that's halachic because they're not using straight razors on their faces.
1: What about laser? <laughs>
2: if
0: your barber is a guy named Laser, then Laser. <laughs> There's actually, I think, oh, a barbershop. I do even called Laser's Barbershop.
2: Uh, dude, it's the coolest name ever.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, we get a great letter. Greetings from Ozergeti, Georgia. I'm a 28-year-old volunteer from Chicago spending a year. By in the, the way, th-
2: impossible not to read this letter in like the Borat voice. Borat voice. I at first
0: I
1: was like, wait, which Georgia? Georgia? Oh. from
2: Chicago. I like. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is – I'll just read a bit of this.
0: My Mormon family, Laurel Thatcher Ulrich is my great aunt, sent me to Akiba Schechter, a conservative Jewish preschool. I grew up angry that my parents would not allow me to convert, but I credit my confused Mormon Jewish upbringing with my lifelong interest in interfaith dialogue. Um, if you're looking for a place to do your next live show, could I recommend Tbilisi? Georgia's had an indigenous Jewish population for over 2,000 years. Tbilisi is amazing. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, it's famous for its religious and cultural diversity. And, and it's best his- food in the former Soviet Union. Um, there's more than enough kosher, kachipuri for everyone, and wine, ha-ha, haha brandy for Liel. Regards, Alexander. So I wrote back to Alexander. I said, hey, man, make it happen. And then he was like, I don't really know how a tall, blonde Mormon like me makes it happen with the Jewish community in Tbilisi. But if you can make it happen, come. So,
1: Well, first we'll go to Grand Forks. <laughs> then we'll go to Tbilisi.
0: I am way more into Tbilisi than I am into Grand Forks. But we'll do them both if we can figure out how to pay for it. Um Hi, Mark, Stephanie, and Liel. I want to start off by saying I'm a huge fan of the show. I listen every Thursday morning while getting ready for the day. This morning, I noticed that you joked that Drake might be from Omaha with the implication that there are no Jews in Omaha. As an Omaha Jew, I want to let you know that this couldn't be farther from the truth. We have a vibrant Jewish community here. In addition to a loyal following of unorthodox listeners, we have four synagogues, kosher food, at JCC, and an amazing Jewish day school and preschool. I hope you can come visit sometime. Thanks for the weekly dose of information and entertainment. Warm regards, Sarah Cohen. So we can add to the Big Grand Tour... <laughs> Omaha.
1: I wanted to say, I actually don't think you were saying that there were no Jews in I Omaha. I wasn't. Thank you. I think you were just picking like a random place. Right. I was just country. saying
0: because we have no ev- hard evidence that Drake is Please, from Toronto. there's three
1: synagogues that she doesn't go to in Omaha. <laughs> That's
0: right. Dear um, Unorthodox, I was overjoyed to hear Molly Gay give a shout out to the Interrobang. That's the question mark exclamation point. Um, it is, after all, the most Jewish punctuation mark. It's the exuberance, concern, rebuke of a Jewish mother. You're going to law school? Is he Jewish? You're wearing that? You're having seconds, and she in the letter she has a thing that yeah. Makes like an interrobang, the question mark with an exclamation point on top of it. Not only that, you'll often see the interrobang used in translations of the Talmud. She also sent a screenshot of a Talmud translation with interrobangs in it. I love this punctuation mark so much, guys. Wait, I, J this Crew, is amazing. Wait for this. I love this punctuation mark so much that I got an interrobang tattoo. Yes, I'm one of the dichotomous millennial Jewesses, service attending, Torah studying, tattooed founder of Jews on bikes. She then gives a link to that. You can Google it. Anyway, props to Unorthodox for keeping Jewish weird. Grammatically yours, Lisa Kanish, Kanef. She then sent us a picture of her Interrobang tattoo. Where is it? It will be in the newsletter. And Oh, she sent it to – I
1: she, mean on her body.
0: Oh, it's on her arm. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway,
0: um, Lisa Kanef actually has a question mark with an exclamation point, superimposed on it, tattooed on I'd say on her that arm. is peak Unorthodox. That, that is peak Unorthodox. You should probably just pack it in. That's pretty Yeah, We're done. Baller. Um, now, didn't each of you also yes, get a personal have, letter? Yes. I
1: got the most amazing personal letter. Dear Stephanie, relative to, day, to today's episode of Unorthodox, I can only speak to the habits of wasps and white Episcopalians. Other Gentiles are on their own. This is, by the way, I said something about wasps wearing, that I had heard an urban legend about wasps wearing um, no pajamas. Like, they don't wear pajamas to breakfast. They get dressed up. Okay. So some clarification. The true wasp does not necessarily get dressed for breakfast, but if he does appear in pajamas, he wears the pajama shirt, whether or not he slept in it, as well as a bathrobe and slippers. Anything else is trop de... Dish- how do you say this? I took French, but I don't know how to say it. Tro um, de chabelet? Trop des habillé. Oh, wow. Fancy. And, yeah. Even for one's own flesh and blood. Before you ask, gin in the orange juice is not a sign of waspitude, merely alcoholism. It's from Peter, and it's sent from his iPhone. And I was like, I've literally never gotten a better email, more formal, from someone's iPhone. So thank you, Peter.
2: He took great care with that. I love it. Yeah. Um, I got an email, the title of which is, am I going deaf? (laughs) Within a terror bag? (laughs) (laughs) Hi, panel of Jewish experts. I wasn't sure if I misheard Liel in a recent Unorthodox episode giving advice to Mark to give Jerusalem a miss on his upcoming Israel trip three exclamation points. Was this (laughs) tongue-in-cheek a poor attempt at humor, or does he have a big chip on his shoulder? What a load of hogwash. In less than one day in the old city, you can check out your Jewish heritage, cover the life of Jesus, and experience the Middle Eastern haggling at the Arab Shuk. You must explore the artsy Ein Karim village, take a peek at the Haredi lifestyle in Mea and you definitely can miss out party time in Machne Yehuda, and that's just two days with tons (laughs) more to do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, right, Michal, and you could enjoy Tampa, Florida, which has, you know, strip clubs and swamps, or you could go to Orlando (laughs) and visit the... Freaking Magic Kingdom and Epcot and Universal <laughs> Studios, which would be Tel Aviv in this equation because Jerusalem, and I cannot fail to say this again and again and again, is really the worst <laughs> fucking city in the world.
1: That's insane. I love Machna Yehuda. That's so fun. Oh, right. we are going
2: to go. Oh, it's so fun because Tel Aviv doesn't have superior shooks and superior it's the restaurants worst and superior city in the world. everything. Isn't that a little bit like oh, saying no, 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 Donald no, no, no. Trump
0: saying, I'm the least anti
2: semitic person in uh, history? It's like, it's suspicious. In, in the universe? Historically? this is a city we that's say that. not really a city that's a city that's an idea for which like pilgrims and crusaders throughout of generations die to get to it and then they're like oh this is it so should we just give it back to the palestinians you know herman melville <laughs> mark twain everyone who ever like traveled there was like yeah this is a huge fucking disappointment it's a bad idea sorry jerusalem sad low energy <laughs> little jerusalem um as
0: ever, write to us at unorthodox at tabletmag.com. And if you <laughs> – and feel free to put in the subject line, this one's for Liel.
3: Hello, city.
4: You found
1: All right. This week, we've got two guests for the price of one. One's a Jew, one's a Gentile, and they're both British. Woo-hoo! Leia Green and Freddie McConnell co-host the very smart, very funny podcast Token from The Guardian, which covers topics like sex, gender, and race. Leia is mixed race and Jewish, and Freddie is trans and gay. There, I just made them tokens. Welcome, <laughs> Leah and Freddie. That's how it works, right?
4: Hi. Did I do it right? Yeah. you did. You did. That Come was on. brilliant.
0: thanks for joining us first of all tell us a little bit about the podcast because we've all listened to it but not all of our listeners have listened to it so like what is token
5: so we the way we introduce it is it's a podcast about marginalized identities but in a fun way um because we know that that sort of uh a description could scare a lot of people off so yeah it's basically like we want to talk about our experiences and we want to explore other people's experiences of being a token
4: yeah it's 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 identity politics but like hopefully the type that doesn't make you roll your eyes and want to fall asleep but like the cool kind yeah, yeah, yeah we, are, we You know,
5: we offend each other deliberately. Um, and you know, you can ask all the awkward questions. You can say controversial things politely, ideally. <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah, we have we have a, like a rule that it's an offence-free zone. Yeah. So the questions that you kind of want to ask somebody, for example, about being trans, but you you think oh, that's a bad question. I don't really know because I'm so cis and awkward. Like I just ask them. Well, yeah, i mean, really good fine. at
2: that. I really mean, want to ask what it's like to be a token Jew in uh, the Guardian, the uh, official friend of the Jewish people.
4: <laughs> the paper of
3: sorry. record for, uh... okay yeah we're gonna dive um, right you're gonna, this you're gonna okay. feel so sorry no, you ever came free on this
0: zone. <laughs> I mean, let's make that a broader question right now in england um by the way i adopt the accents of people i'm talking to so within about 10 minutes i'm gonna be doing a bad british accent <laughs> okay and that can't will, wait. but that yeah, won't be intentional so um you know in england right we have a lot of fun with jeremy corbyn um as I'm sure do you. As I'm sure do you. I'm
4: surprised you've heard of Jeremy Corbyn, to be honest. Well, we haven't heard
2: of any other MPs, but we've heard of Jeremy Corbyn. Um, Uh um,
0: Uh-huh. That's
4: not true.
2: (laughs) I was about to say, I I like Louise Mensch, but she's no longer an MP. and She's... Uh...
3: What so Corbin, yeah, hi, I'm the
2: fat conservative one on the podcast. <laughs> nice to meet you. Corbin
3: scans,
0: number, okay. Corbin scans to all of us over here, and believe me, we 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 know from anti Semites, we, we we have our own problems, right? He scans to us as an anti Semitic douchebag. Mm. Do you agree?
4: Oh, I'm gonna let you take this one there. <laughs> um do i agree shit oh can you swear on your podcast yes yes Yes. okay fuck yes shit um uh, well my mother would agree with you i think that's fair to say um like he has can he be he's somebody i would characterize as maybe having a problem with jews without being the biggest anti-semite like he is just a classic Left wing socialist who doesn't know his Zionism from his, mm. um, Semitism. Mm. Uh, so, so, so in a sense, yeah, but also he's so clueless. Like, I think. What The thing about Corbyn is that initially everybody here was like, wow, a revelation, a guy that really knows what he's talking about. <laughs> Turns out that is not what he is at all. He's, he's pretty clueless about many things, and I think that his way of speaking about Jews is just one of those things.
0: But see, in America, in America, like that cluelessness is it, like, you're not really at liberty to be clueless about Jews in mm. 2017. Like we're here, mm-hmm. you know, we're queer, get used to it, right? And I mean, like, aren't you supposed to kind of just know how to talk to them as as human beings with aspirations and fears and things like that? I'm just, it sounds like you're giving a pass.
5: I just wonder if it's anything to do with the... Uh... Relative size of the of the Jewish population community, and we were interested. We were talking about this earlier. Like, mm. I grew up in Southeast England. I never met a Jewish person, I don't think, until I became an adult. And I know that my younger brother is having the same experience today. So, mm. I think that's got something to do with it. Um, There's
4: just not loads of us about. Like, mm. like, I know what you mean. I'm trying. I'm not trying to give him a pass, but also, I think it is it isn't the same as it is. And while we're being right. like,
1: like as, self-righteous Americans, I should say that our president has told Jewish leaders, I negotiate yeah. just like you. I negotiate good just like you. Yeah. So yeah, like we're thanks, totally Stephanie. free from any sort of right. like self-reflection and anything. But, yeah, yeah. Um. So I'd love to talk to you guys about the podcast if we're done. Can we take a, a break from politics? I loved the episode you guys did where you were talking about are like racial preferences in dating racist?
4: Mm. So yeah, for, for reference, the episode it was based on um a conversation around Grinder, which you have that in America, Oh yes. Right? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yes. <laughs> so um grinder and it's quite common I believe for um, men on Grinder to put, like, no chocolate, no rice, yeah. no curry, meaning... Like,
0: I didn't no know they did like... it like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, some so people just
4: crazy. Some people just come out and say, like, black or white, but some people like, like to get mix creative it up about with it. a food <laughs> analogy because <laughs> mm-hmm. that makes it sound less racist. No latkes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no simmers. Latkes
4: only for me. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Freddie and I disagreed. Uh, I think think that you can't give black people a pass to say they would only date black people Mm. um if you're gonna not give white people a pass I'm not saying that that translates into all areas but like black people can just be racist also that they're allowed to be no 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 no. that it's possible possible, for them to be
5: yeah and I was saying that I can understand why if you're a part of a minority that you would want to be a bit more exclusive and and i would see it as protecting yourself you know there's plenty of queers i know that only you know that date queers and they wouldn't go they wouldn't go on grinder they wouldn't go to like mainstream gay clubs because they feel threatened in those places
1: will you actually define queers for our audience because i know you did that on your show I Just want to make mm, sure everyone knows oh. exactly what and we, we're talking about. We do
0: use that word in America, but we just want to make sure okay. you're using it the way you're using it.
5: <laughs> sure, um, I think we, I think us queers over here in the UK got it from you guys. So, so I'm you're welcome. Sure it's the same. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you gave us, you just... gave
0: us the, the, the return of, of fascist
5: nationalism,
0: and we gave you queers.
5: <laughs> we we, we haven't actually elected us. That. Come on. <laughs> Excuse <What>? me. <laughs> Queer just is like a catch-all for. Um, you know, uh, if you don't want to be explicit, but it's basically just means non-straight. Um, it's a kind of a way of also including a little bit of screw you in your answer when you don't want to be really specific because, you know, maybe it's like none of someone's business. Uh, queer is kind of a political um, stance to take as well um, when it comes to LGBT stuff. Um, but yeah, it's just a way, like if you had a space full of like gays and lesbians and bi's and trans and questioning and everything else, it's just a lot easier to say, hey, look, a bunch of queers. So...
0: We're we're here in our little Jewish ghetto. The three of us are all Jews. Um, mm-hmm. You guys are not from the same community, right? I mean, you're, no. one of you is 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 a trans is a gay trans person. The other one is a, a black Jewess. Can I say Jewess? How do you feel about Jewess? Jewess. Oh, good. You're on my team. It's a big debate. <laughs> in the it sounds much office.
1: better. Can you say it again, Leah? Jewess. Oh, yeah. oh, so
0: that, you have to it's use the Jew-ess. second syllable. Yeah. So if I start doing do you, that, will you be down with it? Because I hate, I hate Jew- Jewess. Jewess, Jew-ess. Dirty. Jew-ess. Jew-ess. So dirty. Um, so when you guys first started working together, Freddie, what was the thing that you mm. learned about Le- about the Jews from Leah that most blew your mind or shocked you or surprised you or still baffles you? And, and vice versa. Leah, what was the thing from Freddie about his community that most kind of blew your mind or surprised you?
4: You know what I think was really great to learn is that, like, trans people aren't made of glass like you can (laughs) you can offend a trans person and they're not gonna hate you for the rest of your life and think you're a terrible person like freddie's pretty cool with questions and he's pretty cool like i made an admission to freddie which was based on something that he said he really hated and it was the first way that i responded when i found out that freddie was trans was I was like, wow, I'm so impressed because he looks so much like a guy. <laughs>
5: Which makes me cringe so much. Yeah. Right and now, so and, and Freddie it,
4: and yeah. I were talking and he said, oh, you know, the worst thing somebody can say to you when you're trans is, I would never have guessed. And I was like, that is exactly what, why is, what I was about I to say. I <laughs> have
1: no
0: idea why that's – I couldn't even begin to fathom why that's the worst thing. Because why is that a bad that thing? you're
1: successful at passing and that's what – yeah. But
0: why wouldn't that be what it, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to fall right into that trap and offend yeah, yeah, the fuck out this of is you. Where right. this is where if I, I were, if I were born anatomically female and, but, but felt myself to be male and then mm. took surgical or hormonal procedures to try to look more male, feel more male. And then people perceive me that way. I would think I'd be happy about it, but explain to me why that's all wrong.
5: Yeah. I think because it sort of um, foregrounds the acceptance by you of that person as a, uh, as the most important thing. As if what we should be aiming for is to pass and, um, be convincing to, to, to cis people. Um, and also in your answer, you immediately focused, you said it anatomical. I think it was like the third word you said. And there's this focus on trans bodies that can just be like, just feels really weird when someone's talking to you. Like you might not know them very well and you immediately feel like, wow, you're really thinking hard about my body and what's beneath my clothes and what my face and hair look like. And, you know, that's just, it just, it makes, the dynamic strange. I mean, in his defense, um, he
2: does that with cis people all the time.
5: <laughs> but let Maybe
2: me, let me ask a you a question because this is kind of a perfect transition. So, um, about two weeks after our uh, ill fated election in November, a um, Columbia University history professor wrote uh, what I think is still a very resonant article in, in the New York Times saying, you know why we lost? We lost, by we I mean, you know, Western civilization. Yeah, <laughs> um, Because because precisely uh, because the left, this is his argument, not mine, although I, I do tend to, you know, strongly agree, uh, precisely because of this obsession that so many of us on the left have with identity politics that completely alienated huge swaths of the population that otherwise would have been open to our kind of, you know, economic, progressive, cultural, whatever argument that, that the left, that kind of classic liberalism used to make. Uh, discuss.
4: Okay, so I have a few thoughts about this. I think that this whole uh, narrative about the liberal elite having caused this is a trick that would only work on a group as hand-wringing and, like, self-deprecating as the liberal elite. Like, if you say, it was your fault for caring about racism, they'll be like, oh, no, I am so feel so bad. I don't have any white working-class friends. I must go out and meet some and bring them to my dinner party. Like... This bullshit. People need to care about marginalized communities. And that care is not what led to this like massive split we've seen. And also, if the result of Trump being elected is that people dial back on identity politics and, and caring for marginalized communities and that's a bigger win than they have at the moment it's just i just think it's a false narrative like it's just something somebody said but i just i just don't buy it
5: mm. and i think from my perspective i've never wanted my identity this to be the center of any discussion um you know apart from occasionally on token when it sort of illuminates a more mm. of a universal feeling or issue and all i've all I think people in my position would are asking for is a place at the table that's equal to everyone else, and that threatens the existing elites and you know the pale stale males um, that control everything, and that's why they turn it back that's on us, us.
0: Nobody's ever said pale really... stale males in the U.S. Is that big over there? Is that like, or do you just make <laughs> yeah. that up now?
5: Uh, no, no. Uh, no, it's yeah, it's a it's thing. A thing. Our,
0: our pale males are not. We're, we're not as pale, and we're not as stale. We're just yeah, we're just but male. they're very sensitive, yeah. so you, you can't know, call them that. Right?
1: <laughs> I'm I'm curious because you're sort of talking about um, you know we've we've I think in the Jewish community in the United States like there's there's issues with acceptance of Jews of color like across like I think institutionally there's there's a problem like there, we just haven't been accepting or like the same thing or we of, don't it's acknowledge called, that they exist yeah. it's
2: called Ashkenormativity yes
1: I was called Ashkenormative and it was like actually very true like my my worldview. Very much like Eastern European Jews, um, mm-hmm. obviously. Until doing the show and like opening up my mind to like other people, um, so I'm curious. What is? Do you think it's different over there? You're saying people just maybe don't aren't as familiar with Jews to begin with. So to see, you know, a black Jew is is much more. And
2: also, if if I can build on that question, um, do do you consider Jews white? Because you know, the three of us kind of profoundly don't identify as such. uh, Don't feel that we are, at least in the context of our society. Interesting. Uh,
4: Okay. Uh, So in Jewish communities, you sort of, and this could all be, you know, this is could all just be my own sort of like neuroses. But um, you feel like you have to prove yourself a little bit more um so you know really mouthing all the prayers so if people in sure are <laughs> looking at you it's like yes i know all of the shema, just like you and like yes i even know the kaddish like you know I, I feel people looking at me if i go to a new shul and that could be that could be me uh or that could be true but yeah you do you do sort of need to like be jewier around jews i think or i feel the need to mm-hmm. and then do i consider jews white i do because i'm the non-white jew so in my head the other jews are the white ones but i can also see why uh you don't feel white also
0: i have a question for freddie since you guys have declared token a safe space and we've entered your safe the no offense safe space this is a question that i've just haven't gotten around to asking um my trans acquaintances here In the States.
5: Okay. Do you have many? (laughs) Some
1: of his best friends.
0: (laughs) Uh, Do I have many? I have a few. I mean, yeah, I do. Um, So when I was growing up back in the day, I'm 42. You know, there definitely were people who I knew people all – who I took to be all along the gender spectrum. Leaving aside what their Mm -hmm. sexual orientation was, you know, I knew men who seemed to um, feel very female and and women who seemed to feel male and people who felt like neither category was right for them. And before surgery and hormones were as widely available, I felt like in the female to male world, there was – a lot of these people ended up in sort of, you know, butch culture right? Whatever mm-hmm. your terms would be. And now you sort of, you, you know, you go through certain neighborhoods of Brooklyn, and that seems to almost have, have vanished, right? There doesn't mm-hmm. seem to be a very sort of hard butch culture anymore. What you see is, and this is on college campuses as well, what you see is a lot, and I'm, I presume a lot of those people are, trans, are the ones who are transitioning to being male. But you don't want to diminish them by saying, ah, well, you just like couldn't handle being in the butch niche. So it's easier to go like, do this thing to your body and you know you don't want to you don't want to pigeonhole them as having Mm. opted out of one thing into another you want to say you're honoring who you truly are but i certainly have had friends in the lesbian community who said that in some ways it has hollowed out huge parts of their community um culturally speaking and i'm curious about that i'm curious like to what extent has the the rise of 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 a trans population and the comfort they feel and the somewhat greater ease they have um, getting access to hormones and and surgery and things like that has that affected lesbian life and and or is that an unfair question to even ask are the two unconnected?
5: Um, Yeah, I'm I'm quite grateful that you added that bit at the end because I do that's the simplest answer I would have is that it's just like they're kind of different things. Um, (laughs) um, I mean, all I can speak from is my own experience, which is that you know I have my gender. um, I've always felt the same way I do and um, ever since transitioning I've been a lot more comfortable living as male. Um, my gender expression is quite masculine. I know plenty of trans guys whose gender expression is quite feminine so I think there's like various layers to someone's identity um, and then sexuality is a whole different thing so I think seeing trans men as a sort of um, the end point of butch lesbians mm. is really, really a misunderstanding of you know the complexity of human experience and I just I think that's how a cis person might understand it, like someone who's never had the experience of being trans. But I don't know what the alternative answer is, other than just to acknowledge, like, that it's you know complicated and that lesbians and trans men aren't <laughs> the same.
0: <laughs> just out of curiosity, does the, question, does the question offend you? Did I manage to inject offence into your? No offence no, taken. No, no, not n-
5: no, not at all. I just feel a bit like oh, God, you're I sick of it. Where to begin? <laughs> <laughs> well, because like I just don't feel I can really do it justice. I can't speak from. The perspective of a lesbian who feels like her community is disappearing. Um, I just know that it doesn't really feel like something that's relevant to the trans male community. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's to do with queerness and, um, the fact that there, as language evolves and people are sort of have more fluid identities, um, people don't identify as, you know, there's lots of younger people using words like queer and non binary and not identifying as lesbians, but that doesn't mean that they're abandoning an identity for another one. There's just like, oh, actually this word fits me better. Um, I asked the question, I would have always, used.
0: I asked the question mainly to blow the minds of all of our Haredi listeners out there. Um, before we take our leave of Leah and Freddie from uh, the amazing English podcast token, if our listeners want to dive in with just one episode, where would they start? Mm. What's your fave? What
5: do you reckon
4: Leah? It depends how brave you're feeling. My, oh, brave. my personal favorite. Okay. So, so my personal favorite was our two part Christmas special, which was dedicated to vulvas. Um, yeah, so it was great. it was just two pretty long chats with uh the data editor Mona Chalabi, who did vagina dispatches and it was all about fannies, as we say here, but I know there it means bums. Oh yeah. <laughs> fannies means vaginas <laughs> but-
0: there?
5: Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was raised. If I
0: got nothing else out of this conversation, mind (laughs) alone, it definitely means bums here.
5: Imagine what we thought when we heard the term fanny pack.
1: (laughs) 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 I mean, fanny pack sits on the front, so it is weird that we call it fanny pack. Yeah, it is weird.
4: But yeah, but we basically spoke a lot about, like, you know, the aesthetics of vulvas and the female orgasm. All that kind of stuff. So that's for if you're feeling uh,
2: brave. And you wonder why Mark obsesses with bodies.
4: <laughs> <laughs> he oh, to yeah. you. I would
1: say like the transparent episode, which may be like a nice way for our juicy juices. Oh, oh, yeah. That season. would have been
4: a much better idea for to say. <laughs> <laughs> But also vulvas. Um
1: cool. Thank you guys so much. Listen to Leia and Freddie's podcast Token on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow them on Twitter at at Fred McConnell, at Leia Green Tweets and at TokenPod.
3: There Some people
0: turn away Some pulling over words as if their tongue's in the way. Some people act as
2: if their mind was made up anyway Um, Do we have any musclesselovs?: Oh, I guess. Of the week. I'll go first. Okay. Uh
4: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. My
2: musclezelov is for our friend and former colleague Barry Weiss who wrote a really 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 great piece in Tablet today that you should all read about who Jews should and shouldn't accept as partners in the anti-Trump movement. So go Barry.
1: I received the greatest gift. Um it was a Hala enamel pin. Um and it came from Studio Jfish and I just like I think you guys also want this pin and it's you can get one at shop I, shop.studiojfish.com. Look they only right sent one to me. Sorry. No. Actually, where where do you wear it? Is
0: it a is it a brooch? Is it a lapel pin? Is it
1: yeah, it's like it's it's called flare. These enamel pins. I actually have. So I have I have one of my jackets. Flare to me is
0: just office space. It's just That's the sort right, of TGI yeah. Fridays-esque exa- restaurant exa- at exactly office right. space forever.
1: So yeah. So I have a I have a pin collection, and 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 then I got one more.
0: My mazel tov is is uh, from Lauren Shoulder, our listener. She asked if she could have my mazel tov for the week, and she wanted to turn it into a Misha Bayrock, a get well to Rocco of Rocco's Tacos, whom we interviewed, who has been very outspoken about his multiple sclerosis. And she just wants, to, Lauren is sending you a berach. She wishes you the best and she wants you to get better, and um, and we completely agree. Unorthodox is brought to you by Tablet Magazine on the web at tabletmag.com. Our show is edited by Noah Levinson and produced by Alyssa Goldstein and Shira Talushkin. Rabbinic supervision this week by uh, the High Rabbinic Council of uh, Golders Green in England. Kosher Slaughtering by Warren Beatty. Find Tablet Magazine on Facebook. On Twitter, we're at Tablet Mag. Also, remember to go to iTunes for Stitcher and subscribe. And please go to iTunes and rate us. That would be, um, it would be a mitzvah. Our music is by Golem. We record in Argo Studios, which is a sanctuary city. And we're proud to be part of the Panoply Network. Shalom,
3: friends.